Hi, friends. Thank you for tuning into this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom. This week, I'm bringing to you a conversation with one of my dear friends and colleagues and longtime teacher, Lee McCormick. Lee is the founder of the Ranch Recovery Center in Tennessee. He is uh, the co-founder of the Dreaming House in Teotihuacan, and he is a, the, one of the most magical, grounded, um, masculine, balanced, spiritual, fierce, loving, gracious, funny human beings that I know. And I reached out to him to see if we could have this conversation because I really wanted to hear his take and insights on the current events, this upheaval, this transition that we're in right now. So he was kind enough to give me some of his time. And uh, I've known Lee, like I said, for many years. I met him in September of 2008. I met him while at what was called the dual diagnosis conference. Dual diagnosis meaning in the recovery field, it's like you're an addict and you're depressed or you're an addict and you have PTSD. So it's putting two two diagnoses together. And uh, back in the day, during that time, 2008, I was involved with a place called the Sonoma, Sonoma Center for Change. It was a holistic transpersonal psychology and eco-psychology based substance abuse treatment center that I helped open in the Redwoods in Sebastopol. And so part of that work was getting in touch with those that were already in the recovery field. So I went down to this conference in Santa Monica with a friend, Brett, who was an interventionist. And he said, I'll take you down there and introduce you to all the people that you need to know. But about all the people that you need to know, you really need to meet Lee because he's the guy that's doing the work that's aligned with the work that we want to do too. So the very last day, like, you know, day three of this convention of meeting all kinds of people and being in talks and lectures, etc., we were in the hotel lobby and he finally said, my friend Brad's, there's Lee, let me introduce you. And I remember feeling exhausted and inside feeling like, no, I don't want to meet one more person. I've met so many people. I'm capped. I'm at my max. I'm done. But he was still pretty insistent. No, no, no. You got to meet Lee. Come on, come on, come on. Get up, get up, get up. So he brought me over to Lee and introduced me, which I'm very grateful for because since then, Lee has been such a dear friend. And even in that moment, he was so kind and lovely and gracious. And um, Brett had been down to Teotihuacan and done one of the journeys, the Toltec journeys through the Dreaming House. Not long before this time in September, I think maybe he had even just gotten back. So he was telling me about these journeys that they do down there, these transformational shamanic journeys, which I didn't quite know what that meant or what that was, but I did love the four agreements in Don Miguel Ruiz, which he said this work was based out uh, off of. And so then in that conversation with Lee in that hotel lobby, in that short amount of time of connecting, he said, I've got a trip coming up in December. I'm leading a group with um, Kevin Griffin, who does uh, Buddhist work and recovery. He's like, I want you to come. Why don't you come and be my guest? You know, just get yourself down there and it's on me. I want you to come on this journey. 
And it was so wonderful and gracious and generous of him to offer me that. And of course, instead, I'm like, definitely, that's what I'm going to do. It's right up my alley. Then fast forward to November was the giant financial collapse. And the center that I was working for that I'd helped create, it lost all its funding. And just like that, overnight, it closed after this solid year of work to just get it up off the ground. And uh, Maya, she was five at the time, just turned five. She was in kindergarten. Her and I left Sebastopol where we were living together and moved in with Bill, who was my boyfriend at the time. And then early December, this trip was coming up with Lee down to Mexico. And I remember telling Bill, I want to go on this trip down to Teotihuacan and go on this shamanic journey. And he was just like, what? What are you going to do? I'm like, well, I was invited down there by this guy that I met. And I don't know, I just feel like it's something I want to do. And he was a definite no. He was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And you're out of a job and the economy just collapsed. And you know, what about Maya? And you're going to go down there for a week and no, 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 no. And I said, my dad who lived in near Seattle, where we now were like, dad can help watch Maya. And I just got to get my ticket down there and everything's taken care of. And he again was quite resistant. So it was one of our, I remember that moment of like, it was one of those first moments where I was going against what he wanted me to do. Um, even though it was what my truth was in the moment. And I went down there and had an incredibly powerful uh, activation, let's just say. And it was a remembering of self on many layers that I hadn't gotten the opportunity to access in a long time. And it was incredibly nourishing for me, especially because I was in this place of transition where I just moved and I was had lost my job that I was doing in that sense of identity. And I was with Bill, but we weren't hadn't moved to Boise yet. And I knew I was going to be in Seattle for just a short amount of time and was kind of finding myself again. So the opportunity to go down there at that particular time for me was incredibly healing and regrounding. And that was 12 years ago. And since that time, I've been down to Teo 10 more times since I started to lead. I went down there yearly with Lee and kind of would apprentice under him and do the same journey, same, same, but different over and over again, reactivating and going deeper and deeper. 2012, I brought my first group down there to the Dreaming House with my dear friend Celeste and we led our first retreat together at the Dreaming House and doing the full on Teotihuacan journey, which I led that portion by myself as the guide, which was really super duper intense. And then after that, continued to go down there with Lee and he and I would co-lead the group together and I would also teach yoga and meditation in addition. But the real work is the work that we do in Teo. And uh, and that's the Basilica, of course, where Guadalupe is. And I haven't been down there, I guess it feels like maybe two years now and I miss it. I miss it so much. And I know um, when things start to settle, Lee and I will lead another group down there together. So watch for that. And what is this journey to, through Teotihuacan? Well, let's just say the name points to it. And the name Teotihuacan translates as the place where man 
or woman becomes God. And it's a place where the energetic frequency is uh, clearer and more open. There's portals uh, everywhere. And the light, the light, the light, the light is, uh, is the teacher, is the guide, is the, is the healing frequency. And it's a place where we can hmm, drop into a more aligned and true sense of self by working through our limiting belief structures and, and realigning to the light. That's just in a nutshell. I'll leave it at that, what Teotito Wakan is. But uh, grateful to Lee for him and this time that we just shared in this conversation. We're talking about what is occurring now on the planet and you'll hear his perspective and a little bit of mine and I hope it leaves you with uh, the ability to find calm and find center and open and open to what is open to this change that is occurring right now. So with that, here is my dear, dear friend, Lee McCormick. Hi. Hey there. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking this time. I know you're really, really, really busy. Oh, it's just, you know, it's like the meltdown of the whole reality for real. No fucking metaphor. No fucking metaphor. Yeah. So I started uh, recording already, just FYI, so we can jump into it. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe you want to title this one, It's No Fucking Metaphor. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine, Tion Dayton, this morning posted something on Facebook from a rabbi um, that spoke to the fact, let me even, let me read this a little bit. This is really interesting. So this rabbi was asked a question, like, what's going on? You know, what's happening in the world? What, what are we going to do? And, um, how do we stay sane with all of this uncertainty? So the rabbi says, it's not that we have lost our sense of certainty. We've lost our illusion of certainty. Mm. We never had it to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. This is the way it's always been, but we have pretended like we've known or we could plan or create or hold on to something. You know, it's the nature, Marissa, of the cultures we were born born into, the culture itself gives all its faith to itself. And so what I mean by that is our culture in the United States tells us from the time we're born that we are the greatest country in the world, that we are good Christians, or we are good Jews, or we are good good in our affiliation and faith in our religious connection, that we are blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. we, we are, this is what we are. What we are, what you are, is only as good as 
how well you live up to the expectations, demands, and books of rules of how the culture itself operates. And for us, for you, for me to have value, we must perform according to the standards of the culture. And our value is only as good as our contribution to the culture. As though there's no inherent in the great mysteries having created us, God, whatever you want to call it, yeah, Whatever exactly. That's the yeah, faith in ourselves. No it's all about that. us and how good we can do and how great we are versus looking deeper and well, looking and outside of ourselves. Sense, you know, living with a sense of connection to, to the mystery. I don't know how else to say it. It's the mystery because we each have our own unique feeling and sense. If you say mystery, each of us mm-hmm. has our own unique feeling and sense to that. We each have our own unique feeling and sense to what the term spiritual means, for instance, or what the term, you know, connected means. So that's, it's, it's an individual thing. And individuality, by the way, of course, is not respected. Individuality is only respected in the sense of how you might individually perform according to cultural rules and standards. The individuality of consciousness, of spirit, of true creativity of inspiration of the spirit you know of the mystery that version of it of individuality is largely seen either either as a form of mental illness or or dangerous or or you're you're like some kind of non-compliant free yeah you're not responsible that's that's you know we hear that a lot what's wrong yeah you're definitely an outsider and an outcast yeah. Yeah. Or uh, just disregarded, right? Can't take that person seriously. Well, and so what's happening is the mask has come off of everything. And and it it's tragic. It's gonna be I mean, God knows. We you know, our culture, I've never been in a in a in a dynamic like this in this lifetime. Um and the meltdown is real. I'm talking to to guys that I know that are CEOs of companies like a lot of independent um, entrepreneurial kind of people that are worth millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are going to be back to zero again in 90 days. Like their what? worlds have stopped. You know, unemployment's going to go to 30% at least. I mean, this is unprecedented. Unemployment in the Great Depression was 20%, 20 to 25%. It's going to be bigger than that. And so the sense of security that we have given our faith to, that if I live according to the rules of the world, I'm going to be okay. The, the, the vulnerability that is the truth behind that mask has come home to roost and you know it's just it's going to be a it's going to be a a disintegration um and i you know my thing with people i'm talking to is you know all i can all i can tell you is i think it's going to be very important to bring your attention back to the little simple things that are of beauty or of inspiration or that you love um and and 
In some ways, that feels like a benefit that our attention gets to be redirected to the beautiful, simple things that we love that we haven't paid attention to because we've been so consumed with this false story. Well, yes, and our attention's not going to automatically do that. We're going to have to learn, re-engage in our relationship to what we give our attention to because we are each 100% responsible for what we give our attention to. So there you go. There's your there's there's our our common Toltec teaching thread. Yes, it is. And I and I'm finding this coming up, right? Like just last night I was talking with my partner and he is wonderful man who's a bit uh, who's a planner right and so he has been talking actually about the coronavirus since early february when it's first hit the news cycle he says he said this is going to be a thing this is going to be a big deal we need to get ready for this and so then last night as we as a lot of what he said has been happening he says now we have to get ready for this potential bad future outcome to happen and i was struggling because i'm like i don't want to give my attention to the bad potential future outcome. And I want to be mindful and aware at the same time. Well, it's, it's, you can plan or take actions um, to, to, to safeguard that you're going to have enough food or you're going to have enough, you know, that, that your life can, that, that you can sustain yourself, your life, mm-hmm. right? And you can do that without being in fear about it. Um, Is I mean, really? Fear, well, fear's <laughs> going to be there, but it's, I mean, there's an unsettling feeling because the whole frequency of consciousness that is the human dream, as we refer to it in Toltec world, yeah. the collective human consciousness, there is a disturbance in the force, and that's no joke either. That's no metaphor from Star Wars. There's a real disturbance in the force and fear's getting ready to shake the, the tree so hard that a lot of people are not going to survive it. Their, ver- their versions of themselves are going to completely melt down. Mm-hmm. Well, come back to what we said a moment ago. Okay, I can hear the birds singing, you know, yeah. and I'm like, that hadn't changed. And the woods out behind this house here at the beach, those woods and those oak trees and that swamp out there, that hadn't changed. And my connection to the light that I've developed over these years, as you know, that mm-hmm. hasn't changed. So what's changed? Well, you know, the human dream that I live in is the mask is off and it's, gonna, it's coming apart. And well, okay, while that causes anxiety, I need to be very smart and very clear and very responsible and methodical and how I'm going to respond one choice at a time, one moment at a time, one day at a time. Can you make a plan? You know, I'm not sure what it is you would want to make a plan for because you have no idea what 30 days from now is going to look like. I think you make a plan for what do I know I need to do to sustain myself for the next 90 days or 120 days. What's that look like? Mm-hmm. As far as like survival and focusing on that, but not getting into the fear because the fear side of that is like, well, it's going to be martial law and it'll be, you know, people yeah, coming after people that, and the scarcity mindset. Yeah, but what does that even mean? I mean, martial law. Okay. What does that mean? I mean, how you live in Idaho, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, 
one of the interesting dynamics of this to me because, you know, it's, there's the reality and we deal with it. And then I step back and look at the insanity of our country today. It's like, well, all those independent Trump supporters that have been survivalists that have got all the guns and the bombs and the, I guess, all the toilet paper, too, you know, <laughs> that are hiding out in the woods. You start telling them they can't drive their pickup to town. You're going to have a war on your hands. Yes. They're not going for that. Yes. You know, and and maybe one of the blessings of the complete dysfunction of the federal government under this president, because it is an absolute and complete dysfunctional system, is that there's not going to, the downside is, is this, this virus very likely is going to be going on for six months, not three, because of the complete dysfunction of our systems and our government, other than local and state governments have stepped up and taken responsibility Mm-hmm. for choices because the Fed won't because um, they're still trying to pretend that this is just going to go away. But maybe because of the total dysfunction, that keeps something like martial law from happening. You know, is can martial law save us? I don't think so. I know no. people that had this two months ago and they didn't know what it was because they couldn't get tested for it. But every symptom, my wife and my daughter had this, all both of my daughters, Bella, Lola, and Megan, had exactly these symptoms back in February when they came, when they went, after they went to like 1,500 kids at a dance competition. So they're in a sea of kids and parents for three days and they come home, they got the cough, the dry cough, no nasal discharge, the high fever um, for a day or two, then the fever broke, then their chest got tight, they got short of breath, then they got diarrhea, and then it cleared. Wow. So they had they had exactly what the symptomology is on someone that, you know, has a good strong immune system and the virus just moves through and it doesn't doesn't land it doesn't take up it doesn't make a home in your body. And you didn't get infected, were you not home? No, I was with them the whole time. I just don't typically catch stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You know, it's that alien blood in me, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, so what do we do? It's like come back to the simple things. Don't You know, what relationship do you know is eternal? Is our relationship to the light? And I don't mean this in some big mystical, you know, guru sense. I'm saying look for the beauty in the world because it's always been there. And now it's important to realign ourselves with it. It's really important to realize the thing that's always been here for us as life in this world is Mm -hmm. nature. It's nature. Mm -hmm. It's the mother. It's Mm -hmm. the natural world that we have just attacked and destroyed. And I mean, God, the way the, the ruthless nature of how humanity has just crucified the fabric of life over the last hundred years is complete insanity. And now we have an opportunity to come back to a relationship to the fabric of life again because our relationship to the matrix is baked. It's baked. So do you want to go down with the ship or do you want to bring your attention back to the truth that was always there that we just didn't live in relationship to? Yes. Nothing's changed. The truth hasn't changed. No, and I was saying the same thing two nights ago when someone was having a really hard time and saying the truth hasn't changed. The truth has always been there and you have to move beyond the distorted thoughts and thinking and the spinning out and 
and go below the surface because what's true has always been true. That's why it's true. Yeah. Well, the truth doesn't negotiate with us. No. <laughs> you know. Doesn't need so, to. So what are the simple things? It's springtime. That's sweet. You know, um, one of the things that's believed is that, you know, one of the things about viruses, most viruses is, you know, they, they the, the corona natured viruses or whatever, they don't do well in, in heat, sunlight and humidity. Okay. Is that why so, you went down to the beach? Well, I went down the beach because it's where I was born. This is this is home to me. And, yeah. You know, in an old, old sense. But yes, I mean, I was raised by old cracker people that were, I mean, my grandfather was born in 1880, you know. So I was raised by these old cracker people that said, when you get sick, son, you go to the ocean. You get in that ocean every day and you, you stay in that water and you drink some of it. And you snort it up your nose and you wash in it. And you do that every day and it'll clear it. And all my life, that always worked. And I can get the sweat lodge. That's another thing. You know, if the virus doesn't do well in heat, and I've, I've done this for 20 years in my relationship to the sweat lodge, if I've had a bad cold or a flu and mm-hmm. even a fever, I get in the sweat lodge like a long, hot, intense, deep lodge with a lot of OSHA burning. And I tell you, the next day, I, it just starts clearing up. Yeah, we built a wood-fired sauna at my house here in Idaho in January, and we've been in it every single night with the kids, too. Yeah, we're raising our body temperature. That's what a a doctor told me this last week. I was talking to him about getting in the lodge, and what did he think? He said, that's exactly what a fever is. Oh, yeah. The fever, the fever, see, what kills you is the bacterial infections that are secondary to the viral infection. Well, I know this from taking care of cattle for 40 years. So what, what do, it doesn't kill, the virus doesn't kill you. It's the secondary bacterial infections. The virus upsets the tissues and creates um, a, a, creates a opportunity for secondary bacterial infections to set in. Well, it's the bacterial infections that kill you. Um, so what you want to do in the beginning is do whatever you can to limit uh, or to change the environment so that the virus, you can deal with the virus. Um, and that raising your body temperature for an hour and a half or so in a sweat lodge and all the intensity of the prayer and raising the frequency of your whole being and that connection to the prayer, shifting your consciousness into the light or whatever you call that and hold, and allowing that frequency to run through you while that heat's working on you, while you're asking, literally asking the heat to help you, asking the spirit to help you, you know, um, it cleans you. Like our community in Nashville, there's probably 30 women coming together for a lodge tomorrow. And it'd be a miracle if one or two of them don't have, you know, that virus, although asymptomatic, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be carrying it. People have got it, you know, and they don't know it. Um, but they're going to get in that lodge. And I just said, y'all, that's, if that's what you want to do, I'm, I'm not against it. And what I would tell you is, you need to use a lot of rocks and pour a lot of water, and that lodge needs to be hot. I mean, hot. Like, you don't know if you can make it hot, and you need to be asking it to heal you and clear you and clean you and burn a lot of OSHA root. Every round, you, you just fill that lodge with OSHA smoke, you know? And so that's proactive. Don't go in there of fear. 
Go no. in there and love with life, man. Go in there and say, what Thank a wild you. this is. Mm-hmm. You know? And it feels, it feels with the unraveling and the fracturing, I feel a lot of hope. I actually go more towards hope than fear. It feels like, oh, this is now an opportunity for those changes that we've known and wanted and feeling like we're here to help usher in and bring forward that this is the time now. It's like, oh, now we're on mission. Now people are waking up. Now we can get busy. Well, we can only hope, you know, and, and not only hope. That's not true. What we can do is start doing, do what you're doing. Do what we're doing right now. Do what I was just talking about with a lot. Do what you do with people. You know, we mm-hmm. this is this is an opening. You know what I've realized? I've said this for years in the you know, all these years of being around the spiritual community or the, you know, the 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 Deepak Chopras and the Eckhart Tolles and Miguel Ruiz and all the the you know, the real kind of guru, thought leader. Um, awareness, consciousness, people, Joan Borsinko, is that the matrix of our cultures, the matrix of the way the human world has been functioning, you know, the modern man, um, capitalistic, uh, financial world dominated situation, that whole matrix has been incredibly interconnected for many, many years. Like it's super connected and it's super vigilant in defending itself. And it's super vigilant of, of protecting and controlling and manipulating every aspect of everything that might challenge it. I mean, that's really true. That doesn't have to be fearful. And that's the way it's operated and functioned. It has its own protection woven into its consciousness. Well, that's all coming apart. The mask is coming apart. What's never been really interconnected um, has been the networks of healers and teachers and mystics and, you know, the, the, the light beings, if you want to call them that. The humans that have really got something amazing and authentic to share. We all end up off in our own little silos because we fall into, well, I'm a Vipassana uh, Buddhist, you know, I'm a not a Tibetan Buddhist. I don't do that. So we're we're so busy defining ourselves by the labels of the world that we hadn't evolved far enough to realize, you know what, dude, it's not about right and wrong, and it's not about your philosophy or my philosophy. It's about just loving life and 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 respecting each other and going to work together and growing gardens together. And I mean, why does every hood in the United States not have community gardens and all the empty lots that exist or in between the buildings. You know, why are we not doing some, why why do the reservations, why on the reservations are they not running collective herds of cattle or buffalo and growing giant gardens in the summertime? You know, it's because as much as we think we are above the spell, the truth is we're still living from points of view that have been defined and taught to us by the spell of the matrix. And we've not really undone our need for approval or our need to push back against it. You know, the need to push back against the matrix is really more daunting to undo than the need to seek approval from it. You know what I'm saying? It's like... And pushing back, is that isolating? No, well, it can be, but it's being a rebel. It's being rebellious. Mm. 
you know, rage against the machine. It's like, dude, as long as you're raging against it, it still owns you. Mm. Like the anarchy kind of like fuck you mentality. I'm doing yes. my own thing. What yeah. happens to the what happens to all and I did that for years. What happens yeah. to all of us that say fuck this? I'm not doing this. We end up fucking ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's who it's pays true. The you think the culture gives a shit that you're gonna go drink whiskey and snort coke and rob banks? The culture doesn't give a shit. They're either gonna kill you or put you in prison, get rid of you. You know, it's like, no, no, no. What are we giving our energy to now? You know, what are we giving our like the gurus need to get de-roll as gurus. No more gurus. You know, no more great leaders. Stop giving your power away to people that you think are cool or groovy or enlightened. That's another mask. They're just people. They live a relationship to life that they live. What about your relationship to life? Stop giving your power away and bring your power home to gratitude and faith in yourself and in the next thing you can do in relationship to your community, in relationship to your family, in relationship to your neighborhood. Exactly. And it feels too like that's a lot of where this is turning back into is this waking up to our community and our loved ones that we've over the past 10 years at least had a serious decline in these connections. We're learning how to talk on the phone again. Yeah, man. Maybe we write letters again. Yeah. Have you noticed a deterioration in your handwriting style since over the last 10 years? Yes. (laughs) I can barely write five sentences without my hand going, oh my God, what is this? (laughs) I don't know. You know, I, I think we, I meant that. I really think what we need to realize is creator created each one of us with a unique spark mm-hmm. and and we really need to stop giving our spark away to others um or trying to you know and 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 the leaders and the 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 medicine people the true medicine people like don alvaro you know alvaro in mexico mm-hmm. you know the true medicine or people Jorge. yeah they're not going to, you can't give them your power. They don't ask for your, fo- they don't ask you to follow them. They don't ask you to come sit at their feet. Because that's just so much more bullshit. You know, it's like enough, guys. We, we need to each own our role, our place here. We need to own our spirit here. We need to own our gifts and, and work on discovering our gifts and work on getting to know who we really are again and bring faith back to that and even if we don't see that we have any great redeeming qualities okay so what it's yet to be discovered have faith that you're worthy or you would not exist well that's that's what i feel a benefit of this unemployment can be too where so many people were working because they needed to work and that was the system like you said do the things and then you'll be rewarded but now without that can they turn towards and feel and hear from inside those things that they that are them, that they love, that make them unique? And often they're going to find that by at first being of service. When you feel like you can't yeah. do anything else and you don't have your job, hopefully there's an inclination to, well, who does need help or how can I help? And that will often lead to your gifts. Sure, absolutely. And there's going to be, I mean, literally having food to eat and keeping the lights on is going to be a, it's going to be a full-time job. Yeah. I mean, literally, 
What I know is there's very few companies in this country that have more than 45 or 60 days cash reserves. That means within 60 days, they're out of money. And when they run out of money, everything's going to go down. It's really, 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 it's a very real um, consequence of how thin and irresponsible our culture has become over the last 30 or 40 years, 50 years, you know, because it's been all about growth and expansion and capitalization and profit and bottom line and, you know, more stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what we've lived for now. You know, like Jesus said, you live for the world, you'll die with the world. Um, not you, the spirit, the soul, the eternal being that you are in your little human body, but that version of yourself that you've given all your faith to, that you have been given all your time and energy propping up and developing, you know, and call and, and making yourself, quote unquote, better. Well, when the mask comes off, the better what was the better in the first place what was behind it so community wise i i do think there's an opportunity for community to reinvent itself and rediscover itself and actually community so you know community has become well we all go to the same yoga teacher we all go to the same church mm-hmm. or you know we what does community even mean or how the same deep, bar yeah how deep like what's the depth how much diversity is there in what you have been calling your community? Because a true healthy community, like a true healthy ecosystem in the woods or in the ocean or in a forest, the more diversity, the healthier it is. Well, our communities have a, have a tragic lack of diversity in them. The community of the country club, the community of the hood, the community of your gang, the community of your religious gathering where we basically come together to worship and underneath it all, maybe we're as much coming together to, to tell each other that we're right, that we're yeah. going to be okay because we believe these things together. It's homogenous. It's the same. It's, yeah, lacking diversity, like you're saying. And my partner too, he has a place in rural Utah and he was just telling me yesterday how... Um, they're getting together through the community and writing down and like connecting people's high level skill sets. And so they can diversify who can do what and who can we turn to and who can we come to for the one specific thing. That's fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. of course. You know, um, it's, it's going to be a very, very, it's going to be painful. It's going to be scary. It's going to be gut wrenching. A lot of people are going to die. You know, 650-something people died yesterday in Italy in one day. The day before that, 400-and-something people died in one day. And we're less prepared than Italy was. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be awful and heartbreaking and tragic. And at the same time, we just got to do our best to bring our attention back to, God, I love sitting under these palm trees and these oak trees and looking at these palmettas and, you know, knowing the relationship I lived my whole life with the woods here. Where have you had long abiding relationships that are of the real world that you can turn to now? The natural world. 
Yeah, the real world is, I call it the real world. Yes, yeah. When I talk, I say the big, the capital R, real world. The world that would be here if all us humans were beamed out tomorrow, what would be left, that's the real world. Right, and the other side of this too is all of thing, the everything kind of shutting down and slowing down, giving the real world such a break from yeah, like the humans. The Venice Canals. Exactly. Yeah. And I, somebody said yes, this morning, I saw a thing in L.A. They said the air quality in L.A. is actually good. Not a version of toxic, but good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the, imagine the skateboard you could do on the 405 because there ain't no cars. On the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the earth needs this. The earth needs this time. And we're getting we're getting from this pause in this inward rotation of the human activity, the earth is healing. The earth is healing itself where it's basically just saying, can you stop for a second? Can you stop hey, for a have, second? Have you seen the movie Fantastic Fungi? No. Mm-mm. Oh my God. If anyone Somebody... is listening to this, you've got to, when it comes out, it, it did a little limited showing. Fantastic yeah. Fungi is like, it's magic sauce. It's a lot oh. of fun it came out last month or so, right? Are there some yeah, previews? It, yeah. It ran in some like some little art theaters, but it's coming out. Well, it was going to come out in major theaters, but that's over with. So it's going to be out online next month. That okay. film, that film is, it should be a book of the Bible. Hmm. I mean, it is amazing. So anyway, there, you know, it's like, imagine now, the conscious, our consciousness, if you were, say we all lived in Venice, okay? And you're looking out your windows because everything's shut down. You're looking out your windows and the canal is clean and there's fish and there's dolphins in it that you haven't seen in your lifetime. You can be 30 years old and you've never seen life in the canals in Venice. And the water is clear. And you see that beauty, you know, and then all of a sudden, say it all passes in 60 days. Are you really going to just, are we all going to go just go back to normal and turn the canals into a freaking silt-laden mess again, cesspool, and act like we didn't see what we saw and not say, you know, wait a minute, y'all, how, what are we doing here? Mm. You know, we need to all get together and figure out what the hell we're doing here for real. That's where I feel the hope. It really is. It really well, there's is. a reset. There's an opportunity for a reset. We had a huge opportunity in 9-11 to step back and go, God, what are we doing? We just got to stop. But we didn't do that. We didn't do that. We further perpetuated the same insanity that we were, you know, had, had an, an experience of. And we weren't a bit different. Maybe this time, because this is there's no comparison between the the dynamic of what this experience is going to reveal and what that was. But at the same time, you know, maybe this breaks us bad enough that there is no normal for six months. I mean, I've said for years. You probably heard me say this. The only mm-hmm. the only reason the human dream. The only reason that the culture of the United States exists the way it does is because we wake up every day and give our faith to it. Yes. And we show up 100% for it. And we feed it. It's not a reality. It's a, 
It's a dream. It's a collective consciousness that's only held together and only exists by our energy and our devotion and faith in it. That's the only reason it exists. And I've always said, if people, if everyone stayed home for 60 days, what do you think would happen? And everybody, people just look at me like, they don't even get what I'm talking about. I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, I shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> no, keep saying it out loud. I've Yes, I've heard you say that many times and I agree. And now, the, now it's here. Now it is here. Yeah. It, the opportunity is here. And you, I agree. I, unfortunately, it's hard to say this, but I agree that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And there will be a lot of pain and there will be a lot of fear. But through it, we'll be able to have the emergence of a new way of being or returning to an old way of being that would not have been possible otherwise. Well, there is no going backwards. But what we can do is reestat. We can, we can reshuffle the deck of the relationships that we will call important. There's so many relationships in each of our lives that have they all really served you? Really? You know, or have we just been telling ourselves that for so long? And one thing's led to another. And when, if ever, have you ever stopped in your life and taken two weeks and just gone somewhere and reflected on what am I doing? You know, what do I want to do? Who am I really? You know, like the recovery work has done that for a lot of people I know mm-hmm. over the years. You know, and, and society looks at it like, oh, well, you're an addict and you're this or that. or You know, you're a victim of this trauma and that trauma, you know, and, and it just causes you to be a less than. My name's Lee and I'm an addict and I'm not a normal person and all that blah, blah, blah bullshit, which is all based in what our culture has called normal as being the baseline for reality. And our culture has never known what the baseline of reality is. The culture of modern America has never acknowledged nor respected nor had a living relationship with the true reality of the natural world and the spirit and the light. Never. It's always been a a version of a matrix that's grown and evolved and expanded. And even in our healing work, we've come to judge ourselves against a false equivalency of what normal would be. Well, my name's Lee. I'm a human being. I happen to have developed an addiction at a point in my life. And that addiction became the doorway that led me to realize an entire other series of relationships that, that to me are, are the whole reason for being here today. So my whole reality changed because I was offered the opportunity through my matrix life completely melting down, I was offered the opportunity to look again, to sit with the questions instead of always needing an answer right now. And that's an important point, y'all. We're going to have a lot of opportunity to live with our questions because there aren't going to be any immediate answers. No. Living with the question opens doorway after doorway, shifts point of view, changes understanding, changes perspective. Living with a question, living with questions again could change everything we're doing here instead of demanding answers immediately. We're freaking out because you don't have them. You have to learn how to sit with the uncomfortable nature of being with the question and not having the answer. And you're going to be forced into it in many ways because it won't come. But how how much can you learn to flow with that experience of the unknown and the question? 
Yeah, when you can when you can laugh after somebody asks you something and you can say, I don't know, and it can be funny to you, then you're you've 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 accomplished something then. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't Saying know. I don't know is also a great way to cut off a conversation with people that you really don't want to give energy to. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It doesn't have much further to go than that. Yeah, I mean, you can love them, but it's like, I don't want to talk to you right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you and I appreciate you and I respect you so much. And I'm really grateful for your teachings and your wisdom now and for this, these 12 years that I've known you and had the opportunity and the pleasure to learn from you and with you. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you're here as a teacher. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you're my friend. And I really appreciate this time and this phone call. Well, it's mutual. And I still totally remember you walking up to me at that. I was sitting on that sofa at the Lowe's Hotel in Santa Monica. (laughs) And you introduced yourself or somebody introduced you to me or something. And I was like, wow, what a cutie. I'll talk to her. She's great. You had this. You still had that little shiny little face, man. You just light things up. Oh, <laughs> well, you Thank do. You're great. I remember that moment really well too. That I remember it so well, so well. Yeah. Right before, right before the shit hit the fan in uh, 2008. That's right. Right before that. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe we're here to. Maybe we're here. To 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 live the relationships that we've created so that others might realize that there are really our choices beyond what they believe so far. You know, I don't know. I'm just going to keep building fires and pouring lodges and taking care of cattle and horses and, you know, and looking for opportunities to, to create something that's, that's loving and sustainable and will work going forward. And you always have been, you've always been on that path since I've known you. And yeah, again, I can't express enough gratitude for it, for knowing that you're out there doing exactly those things that you described. Yeah. All right. So listen, when it's over, we're going to load everybody up and and take a massive group of people back to Mexico. Hell yes. As soon as we can, we're going down to Teo. As soon as we can, absolutely. Let's plan that. The first opportunity we have to plan that, 100%. And we'll go to Tolentango and stand in the caves. Yes. Uh, Yes. All right, sweetie. I appreciate you, Marissa. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Love to your family. And we'll talk again soon. Yours too. Okay. Adios. Adios. Adios.